And let's give all of our mothers a great big hand clap of appreciation. God bless all of our mothers. Amen. Amen. We love our mothers, and we literally would not be here, and, and practically we would not be here. They have done so much to make sure that we were raised right. Amen. And uh, if you had a, a mother who loved you, you had one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given. And, uh, and I'm thankful, even those who may have lost their mother early in life, I'm thankful that the Lord looks out for us. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for that. And we just love all of you. We're so thankful that you were here today. And I don't know if you noticed a few items out on the, uh, out on the uh, parking lot and grass out here as you came in. But the worship center is under construction. To God be the glory. Amen. We are excited about that. And uh, I told the folks in the 930 service, I've never been so excited to see a porta potty in all my life as I was when I, I came into the uh, parking lot here. <laughs> I never thought I'd have that experience, but it was very it, wonderful to see that. Amen. Progress. Progress. We thank the Lord for it. Uh, but uh, we're so thankful that you are here this morning, and uh, I want to give... Uh, special recognition to brother and sister Storms. Can we give them a hand clap? They celebrated 67 years of marriage yesterday. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And we prayed for Brother Storms right in the middle of the COVID shutdown. He had an open heart surgery, and he looks great today. And God has just kept his hand of protection on them, and I thank the Lord for that. And 67 years ago, 67 years ago, they, um, they got married on the Saturday before Mother's Day. And yesterday they celebrated 67 years of marriage on the Saturday before Mother's Day. And so it's a very special thing, and we're thankful for that and thankful for them. We love this brother and sister storms. Amen. Amen. What a great testimony and a beautiful example. Amen. And we're going to be praying for Brother Kedrick Duvall. Brother Kedrick, just kind of wave your hand there. God bless you. We love this young man, and he's born and raised, raised right here at Tree of Life Church. And, and uh, Brother Kedrick leaves after service today for Denver, Colorado, for two months, two months. There is an expiration date on this, amen, for two months. And he's going to be interning uh, there for ministry uh, at, a, at the great vertical church, uh, brother, pastored by Brother Robbie Mitchell, wonderful church. And, and God's just blessing him tremendously. And our prayers go with him in Jesus' name. We're going to be praying for Brother Kedrick in the name of the Lord. In fact, let's do it right now. Just stretch your hand forth unto him. Lord, we thank you for Brother Kedrick, and I thank you for your hand that is upon his life, the anointing of God that flows to him and through him. And I pray that you'll be with him in Jesus' name in his travels. And while he's there, use him for your glory, Lord, and put a hedge of protection about him. Lord, we thank you for this, and we give you the praise for the blessing and favor of God. That goes before him and is with him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. And I'm so thankful to have my nephew and niece here today, Brother Rod and Sister Janae Saunders. Could y'all just go ahead and wave your hand? They're no stranger to Tree of Life Church. 
but they are here with us now. Amen. And uh, they're going to be here helping us in ministry and traveling out and preaching as well. And we're just thankful to the Lord that they're here. And if you heard Brother Rod Saunders preach Wednesday night, you know he's a powerful preacher of the Word of God. And we're thankful that they're here with us in Cincinnati. And, uh, and we're looking forward to all that the Lord is going to do through their ministry. Amen. As the Lord blesses them. And I'm glad you are here and I'm glad Jesus is in the house today. Hallelujah, because nobody can touch you like Jesus can. And I, I'm reading this morning from the book of Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The word of the Lord says this, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. And I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, the structure within. The structure within. Can we go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? Lord, I thank you for every individual that has gathered in this place. I thank you for your holy word. And I pray that as we hear your word, it will be that lamp, that beautiful glowing lamp to our feet, that illuminating light to our path. I pray that the anointing of God would rest upon us as we endeavor to preach and to receive your holy word. Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you for it because your word is spirit and life. We receive it today. Hallelujah. We receive it today in the name, the precious name of Jesus Christ. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Today we are here to honor our moms, these very special people of God that, that truly represent the glory of God in a very unique way. You know that God created man in his image, and the Bible says God created them in his image. Male and female created he them and both man and woman reflect the glory of God in a unique way. Man reflects the glory of God in a way that the woman does not reflect his glory. And the woman reflects the glory of God in a way that the man does not reflect his glory. Both reflect the glory of God in a unique way. When man reflects the glory of God, it creates and generates in him a, a greater strength and, and true authority. Authority over his emotions, authority over his desires. It develops within him a patience, a collectedness. It develops in him a courage and a decisiveness, a principled life as he begins to reflect the glory of God. This is true masculinity. The same is true of the woman when she reflects the glory of God. It develops within her a feminine grace. A grace that is reflective of the true grace of God. It develops a divine contentment 
in her and a nurturing and a compassion and a principled living, one that is, one that is focused on the things of God and, and conducive to the bringing up of children for the glory of the Lord. And this is one of the reasons why the enemy wants to blur the lines between male and female. Uh, why he wants to separate or, or not allow any sort of separation in their uniqueness. Uh, but there is a uniqueness that male and female have. And it is exhibited both anatomically and it is also exhibited outwardly. Uh, there is an outward presentation of both male and then female that is, that is respective uh, to the way they reflect the glory of God. And uh, it's not to be done merely on an outward basis. It's to be something uh, in the hidden man of the heart. Uh, it is to be done on the inside. And then it reflects on the outside. So the Bible says God looks upon the heart and, and man looks on the outward appearance. But both of those things are true. God looks upon the heart, but man does look on the outward appearance. So the outward appearance is always a reflection of what is happening on the inside of the heart. The Pharisees were good at cleansing the outside of the platter, but leaving the inside of the platter unclean. Jesus said to them, that's not the way it should be. You need to go cleanse the inside of the platter. But you need to make sure that the outside of the platter is cleansed as well. And that can only truly, organically, and genuinely be done by making sure what's on the inside is where it needs to be. So this passage of Scripture, these verses of Scripture are quite uh, profound and they're, and they're really, they're very, um, uh, they're very convicting, if you please, because they lay a very strong responsibility uh, on both the father and the mother. And, and as I said, that both the male and the female uh, really reflect the glory of God. This is true particularly in the way it is reflected in marriage. When a husband and wife marry, the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And, and their marriage is a picture of the love of God for the church. And it's a beautiful relationship. And in an ideal setting, it is supposed to so thoroughly and beautifully demonstrate the goodness, the glory, the grace, and the love of God that it will create an, a home environment that, that does as good a job as can be done in generating goodwill and good living in the lives of those brought up in that home in an ideal setting. And so we look at this verse of Scripture, and it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Again, this puts great onus on the father and the mother, because he's saying, look, look, I'm, I'm telling you that if you will listen to the instruction of your father, and if you'll listen to the law of your mother, then it's going to be like an ornament of grace unto your head, and it's going to be like a chain about your neck. Now, that doesn't mean like a big, lumbering, heavy chain that weighs you down. It, it, it's referring actually to ornamentation, and it's, it's, it's using, it's allegorizing the ornamentation because God's ornamentation, his idea of ornamentation has nothing to do with physical jewelry. God's idea of ornamentation is of the hidden man of the heart. 
So when God beautifies ornamentation, he's not talking about jewelry that you wear on your outer man. He's talking about what you wear on the hidden man of the heart, the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. So when he says that your, your, the, the, the law of your mother and the instruction of your father will be like, like the ornament of grace upon your head and it will be about chains about, upon your neck, he's saying that, that if you'll live your life according to the way your mother taught you to live and according to the way your dad instructed you to live, then you're going to live a good life. It's going to be a good life. If you'll take heed, it'll be an ornament of grace to your head and it'll be a beautifying of yourself. And that is so true, and it does put an onus. It puts a great deal of responsibility on the father and mother, right? To say, hey, you better be teaching them right, because God just told them, look, do what they tell you to do, and, and life's going to be good for you. That's why the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, and your days will be long on the earth. If you'll do what those two people of God told you to do, you'll live a long time. Amen. And so... So he's saying, put this ornament of grace unto your head, and, and this, uh, this is an ornamentation of your spirit, and everybody will look upon you. And you think about it, mom had laws. Moms have laws. They have laws that they put into motion, rules and regulations, and they make sense. Now, I don't know why we fight against them the way we do, but, but it, you know, it takes a while for mom to drill those things into our thinking. But if you'll do what mom tells you to do, life is going to go well for you. you know, not, not just while you're at home, but after you're at home. When you're living life as an adult, you'll find that doing what mom told you to do comes, quite, comes in quite handy. You know, for instance, brushing your teeth has become a significant part of who you are as a person. Taking a shower and washing behind your ears has, has become, has, you found it to be very valuable in life. Cleaning your room, having a clean living space. This has, this has proven to be an effective means of developing a place of peace. And, and keeping your schedule. And, and in those days it was doing your homework. Now it's just doing your work. And sometimes it's doing your work at home. But it came in handy. Mom, mom laying down the law. And, and mom does, she lays down the law. She She's the one that sets the, the kind of the rules of the, of the house and, and the, way that it, the way that it happens. If she says take your shoes off when you come in, take your shoes off when you come in. And if she's okay with you not taking your shoes off, then that's, that's, that's that. But, but if she says take your shoes off, you take your shoes off. And if she says you got to be in bed at a certain time, you got to be in bed at a certain time. You got to be up at a certain time, got to be up at a certain time. And mom has certain rules. She wants... She wants the dishes not left on the table. They have to be put in the sink. They have to be rinsed out. Go ahead and wash them while you're at it. Put them in the dishwasher. Put them in this way. Don't put them in that way. Put them in this way. Line them up. I want them, I want them just so-so. Now unload the dishwasher, and I want you to put them back in the cabinet. And when you put them back in the cabinet, don't just throw them in there into any old cabinet. These go in that cabinet, and these go in that cabinet. And I want it not like that, like this. And, and you just, those are, mom has laws. And we follow those laws. And then, and then something happens as we begin to grow in our physical person and we start feeling a little independence. And one day, something very strange happens. Mom tells us to do something and we say, I don't want to. We're feeling a little independent. <laughs> now, you're, you're really, you're really risking a lot by, by saying that, but. But, 
but your, your, uh, your adulthood is coming upon you and you're kind of pushing a little bit, pushing back a little bit, saying, I'm, I'm grown or growing something and, and mom's going to let you know that mom's laws are still in effect as long as you're under the roof of this house. These laws are in effect. And you know what? Do it in such a way that it's not just under the roof of this house, but when they get out of this house, they're still living according to the law, not just of mom, but of the Lord. Amen. But, you know, the father plays a role in this. The father plays a role because the Bible doesn't just say, forsake not the law of thy mother. The Bible says, hear the instruction of thy father. And that's a very important uh, part of this component. The father provides the instruction. The mother provides the law. And those are two different things. The father's role is to provide the structure necessary for the law to be implemented. So, for instance, Jesus was asked a question one day. He was asked the question, uh, what is the greatest commandment in the law of God? And I really, truly believe that they thought Jesus was going to respond by saying, wow, that's a really good question. What's the greatest commandment? Because they're all good commandments. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Because, I mean, we probably shouldn't kill anybody. And we probably shouldn't steal stuff. Probably shouldn't commit adultery. We probably shouldn't falsely accuse or bear false witness against anybody. So what is the greatest commandment? Man, I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to have to get back with you. And let you, but that's not what he said. Jesus had an answer, because there is an answer. He said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, here's the greatest commandment. Hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shall you serve, and you shall love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And then he said, now you didn't ask about this, but it's connected. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you this truth. The second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he said this. Upon these hang all the law and the prophets. See, laws have, have, they have to have something to hang on. Laws have to have something to be affixed to. So, so God is saying, I've got these commands that I want to give to you, but I have to have something that they can be hung upon. And that's the way that it works in the case of a mother and father as well. So many mothers are in the position of having to try to build a structure and hang the law of the mother on that structure. And really, that's requiring so much of her. She's doing double duty. It's the father who should be building that structure. And the mother should then have the liberty to come in and say, okay, we're going to hang the law on this structure. These are the rules, and there's an apparatus in place. So, you know, for instance, my father, my father, he, he built a structure in my life that was so important. He, the structure had to do with the foundation of love and respect humility and courage he built these things in me my my I knew that my father loved me he proved to me in so many ways his love for me and his respect for me as an individual and and he proved that I that he was the authority in my life and there were times where if I spoke back to my mother my father would enter the picture and I'd hear a hey 
And when I heard, hey, and he wasn't preaching, that wasn't good news. <laughs> because that meant I just crossed a line. And, and I, listen, I knew it didn't mean he lo didn't love me. I knew that he loved me because he already built that structure in my life. I knew that he cared for me and was concerned about me. He already built that structure in my life. I knew that he wanted what was best for me. He already built that structure in my life. Now my mother's able to come along and say, Joel, you're going to go to bed at this time. You're going to get up at that time. You're going to eat at this time. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to comb your hair. You're going to be nice to people. And, I, and she was able to hang those, those laws upon the infrastructure that my father had built. It's a, it's, it's, it, there's an old song that was written that kind of details this relationship. And I just want to read to you the words to this old song. It says this, Take out the papers and the trash, or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrub that kitchen floor, you ain't going to rock and roll no more. Yakety yak, don't talk back. Anybody remember that blessed old hymn? Anybody remember that old hymn? <laughs> Folks, you don't get this kind of preaching just anywhere. This is, this is deep stuff we're dealing with here. We're plumbing the depths today. He said, just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Get all that garbage out of sight or you don't go out Friday night. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. Now, I'm about to blow your mind with some revelation here. There's some revelation coming right. We're about to drop some knowledge right here. My, there's a reason why don't talk back is in baritone. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, feel, I feel my help from the Lord. Because that's dad talking. Mom is saying... Clean up that room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Get that garbage out of sight. You're not going out Friday night if you don't scrub the kitchen floor. Listen, you're not going to get any spending cash if you don't take out the garbage, the papers, and the trash. And then when, when little so-and-so responds, yakety-yak, all of a sudden this baritone comes in. Don't talk back. That's mom and dad working together. That's the instruction of the father and the law of the mother. The mother is, is keeping the household straight, and she's saying, look, take out the papers in the trash, or you don't get that spending cash. Let's see that dust fly with that room. Just get cleaning up your room. And, and, and invariably, yakety-yak. And then the father steps in. Don't talk back. Just put on your coat and hat. Walk yourself to the laundromat. When you finish doing that, bring in the dog and put out the cat. Yakety yak, don't talk back. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Mom has a role in this. And dad has a role in this. And, and see, it's important that you have, it's important that you have some confrontations with your father early on. So that when you get out in society and you meet authority, you don't immediately think, that's disrespectful to me. It's important that you meet that authority when you know that authority does respect you. 
When you know that that authority does love you, that authority does care for you, because then you have a proper perspective of authority. I remember, I remember a, a lady in the church, and she was, she was in a leadership role, and she just kind of targeted me. I was kind of like, she just, she wasn't nice to me. And, and I remember growing up, and, and there were things that she would, I, I just kind of became her target. She was going to make sure she'd bring me down a few notches. And I didn't like it, and it wasn't right. I'm, I'm 41 years old now, and I still know it wasn't right. It wasn't just a child perspective. She didn't treat me right. And I remember going to my father, who was the pastor, and I was going to put this out there and let him take care of this. And when I put it out there, he said, deal with it. So what do you mean deal with it? You're the pastor. You're supposed to take care of it. And my father. You've got a double interest in this. And he said, she's your elder, and you're not going to rebuke an elder. That's authority you're dealing with, and you're not going to rebuke authority like that. And, and so, so you're going to learn how to deal with it. You're going to learn how to love when, when somebody's given you a reason not to love. You're going to learn how to control your attitude and your emotion you're going to learn how to show respect when you don't feel like showing respect. I'm going to tell you that has helped me. That has helped me be a pastor. That has helped me be a husband. That has helped me be a father to understand, look, there, I, I can't just get mad enough that something's going to be fixed. I can't just yell loud enough that something's going to be fixed. Sometimes I have to fight with a spiritual warfare and deal with things and have patience and show kindness and be loving and be respectful and be humble. And it resolved the whole situation for me. And it continues to resolve situations. You know where that came from? That came from my father. That structure within. Now, the Bible says we hear the instruction of our Father. That word instruction is important because uh, it, the, the root of it is structure. So what's going on out here, that out there, all those bobcats and backhoes and all of that foundation work and uh, all of the stuff you see happening, that's not instruction, that's construction. The, the, the prefix C-O-N has to do with with or together. So we use it in words like concert or conflate and uh, it has and consist it has to do with things that are with or together so that's construction that is working together to bring about a structure okay then there's destruction destruction is when you remove structure it's when you you take structure out and we've all had moments in our life was where there was destruction felt like things just fell at our feet like it, it just shattered in pieces around our our feet but then there's instruction, and instruction is so important. That is a structure that happens on the inside. That is, that is structure on the inside of us that, that is, the Bible says it comes from the Father. The Father puts an apparatus on the inside of us that can handle what is hung over it. So, so it's like a closet. You know, if you've got a, a closet, you need more than just a, a room. 
you to, to put your clothes in, you've got to have some structure in that room. You've got to have a rod going across that you can put hangers on. You've got to have, you've got to have some place for shoes to be sat. You've got to have place for hats to be sat. You've got to have some drawers where you can put, put your garments into. Why? Because the closet will just be a confused, chaotic mess. If you just walk in with no structure and throw all your clothes into the closet, it's just going to lay there in piles. You won't, it'll be wrinkled. It won't look nice. It'll, you won't know what you have. It won't be itemized. It won't be orderly. Why? Because there's no structure. A lot of clothes, but no structure. Beautiful clothes, but no structure. It's the Father that gives the instruction. It's the Father that puts the structure within. And so when the father puts the structure within the child, the mother is able to come along and say, okay, now I've got something I can work with. You're going to do this, do that, go here, go there. The laws of your mother then can be implemented because the father has given instruction. You see how that works? It's a beautiful picture of how God operates. And I want you to know that is how God operates. Even when he created the earth. Before he filled the earth, he created structure. Before he put the sun, the moon, and the stars in place, he, he put light and darkness. And, and he put a, the, the heaven of heavens. And before he, before he put fowls in the air, he put a... He put a firmament in place where the fowls could fly. And before he put man and beast on the earth, he put grass and he put ground and he put plant life and vegetation in place. God put structure before he implemented the law into the earth. This happened in the great vision of Ezekiel and the dry bones when the Bible says that the Lord said, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, Thou knowest, Lord, whether these bones can live. And, and he said, Prophesy to these bones. So Ezekiel started to speak to the bones, and the bones started coming together, bone to his bone. They began to come together, and structure started happening all through the valley of dry bones. And, and now there was a standing army that was, that was completely structured properly, and they were standing shoulder to shoulder, bone to his bone, standing there ready for marching orders. Life had not been given yet. But now, now God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the winds. Prophesy to the four winds of the earth. And so Ezekiel prophesies to the four winds of the earth, and the four winds of the earth blow upon these bones, and they start living in this vision of the valley of dry bones. That was a picture of the day of Pentecost. Okay? Now I want to explain something to you about the day of Pentecost. What makes that so significant? The day of Pentecost was a celebration of 50 days after Passover. That's why we call it Pentecost. It has to do with five or 50. So the original Pentecost took place 50 days after the original Passover. This was when Moses received the law of God upon the mountain. And when he received the law of God upon the mountain, God wrote the law in tables of stone. You know why he wrote the law on tables of stone? Because God's law is not meant to be on tables of stone. God's law is meant to be on the tables of our heart. 
But they were written on tables of stone because there was no structure within the heart of man to contain the commandments of God. So it had to be written on tablets of stone. God told Moses, I want you to come to the mountain and I want you to bring the people to the mountain so that I can commune with them just as I have communed with you. But the people would not. They were afraid of the commandment of the Lord. They were afraid of what the Lord had spoken and what the Lord had said. And they would not come near to him because they knew they would be consumed. And God said, well, since they won't come near, Moses, you come. I'm going to give you my law. You then are going to turn around and give my law to the people. And so that's where the law of Moses came from. And that's why it didn't work so well. Because there were a lot of laws and no infrastructure. There was no instruction. There was no structure within. So on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus came to this earth, he came to this earth and he came to build structure inside of his people. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to put inside of them the foundation. Oh, hallelujah. This is why he said, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He came to lay a foundation and to build a structure with Within, so that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. That structure in one place, that structure. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. God was able to do upon the tables of their heart what he did upon tables of stone so many hundreds of years earlier. Hear what I'm telling you this morning. If there's a structure in place, God can lay his law upon your life and you will be at peace. Hallelujah, you will be at peace. That is what happens. Now, what is that structure within us that God lays there? It comes from our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father steps into the picture, and He begins to build the necessary apparatus, infrastructure, infra meaning below, meaning under. It's an understructure. It's a below structure. We get the word, we use it in the word infrared, and it has to do with, it has to do with, with something that, that, that is not easily seen, and, and, and that's instruction. It's infrastructure. It's structure within. It's understanding, and, and so God sets that in us. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And, and, and this is what he said it is. It's love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Do you realize that is the great commandment? That is what is required of us? Is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? And if I pass this microphone around the room, then no doubt each person, if asked, do you love God, would say, oh yeah, I love God. I love God. But... But we would be, you know, we may very well be lying when we say that. Because the apostle said you cannot love God if you don't love your brother. 
So, so there might be that somebody says, oh, I love God. I just hate them. It doesn't work that way. You can't love God and hate them. If you, listen, are you ready for this? I'm got ready to share something with you. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to put on your steel-toed boots, your football helmet, and your shoulder pads because it's about to get rough. All right, here it goes. Everybody ready? Brace yourself. Because the Bible said that if you say you love God, but that you hate your brother, you are a liar. How can you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? So don't even give God this I love you stuff if you hate your brother or your sister. If you don't love your neighbor, you don't love your God. So you got a lot to get past before you can genuinely say you love God. And you're guilty of all the law if you don't love God. That is the great commandment. That is the only commandment that brings it all into clearer focus. So, so how do we do this? Because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to love God because I know to love God I have to love them. And I can't stand them. They get on my nerves. Hate their guts. But I, but I love God. Ah, we got a lot to work with here. Let's unpack this a little bit. Let's unpack this a little bit. Can we unpack this a little bit? I know it's Mother's Day, but can we unpack this just a little bit? Because we got to love God. We need people that love God. God's looking for people that love God. God's trying. God's coming back for a church that loves God. And you can't love God if you hate your brother or your sister. And so, so what do I have to do? Well, he tells you how to love your neighbor. This is what he said. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Therein lies the problem. Because you hate you. And you know why we hate ourselves? We hate ourselves in our flesh. In our flesh. We hate ourselves because we know us. We know everything about us. We, under, we know all of our insecurities. We know our hypocrisies. We know our inconsistencies. We know our failings. We know our shortcomings. We know what we did wrong, when we did it wrong. We know what we should have done differently. We know what mistakes we've made. We hate ourselves for those things. And there's a lot of internal conflict that we project onto others. And he said, if you're going to love your neighbor, you're only going to love your neighbor when you have a healthy perspective of yourself. Now, you're not supposed to be a narcissist, and you're not supposed to love yourself in terms of being selfish. You're not supposed to be self-centered. That's not loving yourself. Because you don't love yourself simply to love yourself. You only can love yourself by knowing how much God loves you. Hallelujah. So the foundation of this whole thing of love is for us to know the love of God for us. This is what the Lord told the church at Ephesus. He said, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Do you know what the first love is? The first love is not the love you have for God. And the first love is not the love you have for your neighbor. And the first love is not the love you have for yourself. The first love is the love God has for us. If we can ever say that we love God, it is only because he loves us. I can hear John say, we love him because he first loved us hallelujah 
This is what the first love is. That's the foundation of the structure that God wants to build in your heart and in your mind. He wants to so thoroughly persuade you of his love that you become persuaded that neither death nor life, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, no angel, no creature, no any other thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I have been so thoroughly convinced in my spirit that he loves me with an everlasting love hallelujah that I have now understood who I am and how he sees me and by knowing how he sees me I can see myself that same way and now I don't project onto others all of my self-hate and self-loathing and now 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 I can love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to build a structure within you that he can lay his law upon. He wants to hang, thou shalt not kill. That doesn't just mean murder. It means hatred as well. He, he wants to hang, thou shalt not commit adultery. That just doesn't mean the physical act of adultery. That means the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. As well, he wants to hang, thou shalt not steal. That doesn't just mean bank robbery and embezzlement. It also means you ought to be paying your tithes and offerings. It, it, it doesn't just mean thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It doesn't just mean you shouldn't tell a little lie here and there. It means also you don't need to falsely accuse anybody. These are things that have caused disruption in society, caused disruption in our homes, caused disruption in our minds. And God wants to build a structure within us where he can hang all the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. And it starts with, he loves me. Paul walks into the church at Corinth. And when he walks into that church at Corinth, folks, that church was a mess. I mean, those people... Were, they were debauched people. They were living the most terrible kind of lifestyles. They were involved in some of the most hideous sins. It was, it was awful what Paul found when he walks into the Corinthian church. These folks are running wild. They are crazy. They are, they are overlooking terrible, perverse sins. And Paul is looking around saying, man, where do I even start with this? Where do I even, where do I even go from here? And, and, you know, he had a choice. Maybe, maybe I need to address that behavior. Or maybe I need to address that symptom. Or maybe I need to tell them to stop doing that and stop doing that. But he realized, I can throw laws at this all day long, but the laws will never stick because there's no structure within to hang the law on. I can throw clothes in that closet all day long, but it's still a mess. It's still confusing. It's still disorderly because there's no, there's no place to hang the hanger. Hallelujah. There's no structure within in order to hang these beautiful commandments of God. So he said, I knew nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. 
This is why we got to keep saying, I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Twas the emblem of suffering and shame. How I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we've got to keep saying, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the blood. What are you doing, Brother Urshan? I'm trying to build a structure in somebody so that when the law of God comes and says, stop doing that and start doing this it's got something to hang on it's got something it can be established upon my God hey I'm gonna tell you something when you know how much God loves you you don't have a problem living holy in an unholy world you don't have a problem with it because he loves me. He loves me. I, I want to persuade you. I want to persuade you of the love of God. I want to persuade you of his gospel. I want to persuade you. I'll pray and I'll fast and I'll study this book and I'll try to structure the sermons and I'll sing the songs and I'll do whatever I got to do to persuade somebody. Do you know who you are? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know what he did for you? He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. With his stripes, you are healed. I want to convince somebody of the glory and the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we can get that structure in our hearts, then God can come along and say, don't hate them. And it'll hang there just right. And God can come along and say, be kind to them. And it'll fit so nicely in that groove that has been prepared for that law of the mother. Yeah. Mom can just tell you, listen, we have company coming over. I need you to run the vacuum. And you're not going to stomp your feet and throw a fit and leave the house. No, no, no. Because the Father has put instruction in you. Do what your mother says to do. She's, she's right. Do something. Do what she says to do. And you respond with obedience because there's structure within Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the same thing with the church. When you get this structure that the Father puts inside of you, that he loves me. He loves me with an everlasting love. And I love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. When the church, when the church comes along and says, we've got to reach the lost. We need your help. You're not fussing and fighting and saying I'm too busy. You're saying, what do you need? Because it's got something to hang on. <laughs> Glory to God. That's where servanthood comes from. My goodness, I remember we were hosting people and welcoming people into our home all the time. And my mother, I, you, you think I wanted to run that vacuum cleaner? I'm preaching from experience this morning. 
You think I, we had a rainbow vacuum cleaner, and that rainbow vacuum cleaner, because it, it had water in it, and the dust would get killed by the water when it went in. And so I had to carry that thing around, then the thing tips over, and you got to lift it up before it catches the whole house on fire. And, and I mean, you think I wanted to run that thing? I, and I, I had that nozzle down, and, and I, was, I was down in every nook and cranny of that house trying to get every little piece of lint up before guests would come over. You think that's what my flesh wanted to do? I wanted to be playing basketball. I wanted to be out with my friends. I wanted to be, but, but the mother said, I need help. The mother said, we've got work to do. And my father had put instruction in me, don't talk back. You listen to what you're told. You you do what you're told to do. Your mother is going to have something, a need of you. You better do. And I, when I get home, I better not find out that you were giving her trouble. And you know what? It was building structure and it was hanging laws. <laughs> and now I see the wisdom of it all. And that's how we tried to raise our children was instruction giving way to the law of liberty. The royal law of love. The perfect law of liberty. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Hallelujah. Do you, do you, do you, I want to just really quick, I want to say something. Because we give the law such a hard time. I mean, here we are in grace and we just, the law is bad, the law is awful, and the law, law, law. Do you know the law was perfect? The law was perfect. The problem is that it was weak through the flesh. It was our flesh who couldn't keep the law. That's why the law was so problematic. Not because the law was problematic, but because our flesh was problematic. The law of Moses had a lot of restrictions and a lot of penalties. You want to know why? Because our flesh was so weak that the law of Moses was having to add more and more and more and more legislation when all we need is a structure within and if the structure is strong if the structure can stand fast then all you got to do is speak the word and obedience is the result all you got to do is say the word and somebody responds in the affirmative yes lord speak for thy servant heareth here am i send me I wonder if we could lift up our hands right now and say, God, build that structure within me. Build that structure within me. Hallelujah. So your word can hang the law of God upon my heart. Hallelujah. So there can be order in my life. God wants to give you peace in your home. God wants to give you harmony in your marriage. God wants to give you control over your emotions. God wants to give you harmony in your relationships. God wants to do it, but you've got to let him build the structure. You've got to let him build the structure. Could you stand with me right now? On this Mother's Day, could we lift our hands to the Lord and say, God, I humble myself before you. I humble myself before you. How many feel sometimes, how many feel sometimes like, like that child that just throws a fit? God tries to correct you how do you respond to it don't you know he's just trying to help you don't you know he's just trying to lead you in the right direction how many mistakes do you have to make before you realize God is true and you need to listen to him how many hardships in life 
How many hardships in life are you going to create for yourself before you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, I'm just going to live my life according to your word? I'm serious about this. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. How many hardships are you going to endure before you humble before God? Hear the word of the Lord. How many times? How many times? How many years are going to go by this time? How many years are going to go by this time where you pay again for a mistake God is trying to deliver you from? Come on, somebody, lift up your hands unto the Lord and humble yourself under God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you today. Come on, these altars are open for people who just want to say, God, uh, uh, things are a mess right now. God, things are confusing. Things are disorderly. I need structure within. I need instruction. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. I'm telling you, if, if, if you need something from God, now's the time to come get it. I, I can't explain the urgency that I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. But I feel like God is reaching for somebody in this house. I feel like God is reaching for somebody in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I didn't do this in the 930 service. I didn't say it this way in the 930 service. I'm saying it in this service because I feel a unique urgency here now. And somebody needs to respond to the word of God. Oh, God. Oh, God. In your name, Lord. In your name, Lord. In your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You pour out your spirit. 